Welcome in, everybody, to the Card Chronicle podcast. It is the morning of Friday, September 23rd. Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky. Dan Sennard in Columbus, Ohio. And here's the deal. We did a podcast yesterday. We recorded it. I mean, it was like an hour and a half. We, we had to stop and start it a couple of times. And you know that this it was bad because of our, our standards when it comes to audio. The audio quality was so bad, it was unlistenable. Like, like, we, we, I could not have put this out into the public. I could not have made you to listen to it. For some reason, when we were recording, like Dan's voice, I think it was just a, it was like a, a lagging issue, a connection issue, something like that. But Dan would be talking, and like all of a sudden, he would get real slow. <laughs> and then it would just like speed up, and I couldn't make out any of what he was saying. I was trying to react to it on the fly. It was terrible, terrible podcast. But... I was hoping because, you know, a couple of times we've had lagging issues when we've been recording, and it's just been, like, on my end. I've just heard it when we've been recording, but then when you actually listen to the you know, the, the MP3 file, it's all fine. And then I listened to it, and it was just as bad, like, on the audio file as it was when we were actually recording. So I thought briefly about just putting it out there anyway and just saying it would, it would have been a gigantic fuck you to everybody listening because it was so <laughs> bad that it wouldn't have even been funny. So we're trying this again. We've – yesterday was finally – it was – the straw that broke the camel's back when it comes to using Skype. I know I, I should have moved on from Skype a long time ago, but I don't like learning new skills. And I Skype, I mastered Skype like 20 years ago, so I figured we'd just keep doing that. But uh, yesterday, was that was it. We're going to move on. We're using a new app today. Hopefully, this is going to work. Hopefully, it's going to sound good. And the good thing about doing the podcast again today is – because I, I made out so little of what you said yesterday, I don't feel like we're having to like recreate the entire podcast. I feel like I missed out on, on pretty much everything that you said yesterday, so I'm going to be reacting to it for the first time. Uh, but Dan, how are you today? Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to be in the new app here. What what is this called? River Riverdale River something uh, Riverside. We're doing Riverside. we're working Riverside. Yeah, well, it's good to be in Riverside. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. But no, seriously, uh, like yesterday was like, you ever like have one? Of, I mean, like I, we've done a hundred of these pods and like for whatever reason, like, I mean, it was so choppy yesterday, but like, I didn't even feel on my A game yesterday. Like, even I was like, God, like I would like a redo at that one. So it's nice that we get to redo it over. I get to kind of fine tune my jokes. Um, it was weird, like cracking jokes to you. And there was like a 20 second delay before you talked and i was like all right well this doesn't this isn't right um but yeah i am uh i'm i'm excited to be in the new app not as excited about the football team yeah i I mean we i let off yesterday's recording talking about how it had been six days since the loss to florida state so there wasn't a whole lot to say that hadn't already been said i mean i've been ranting and raving on the radio show all week people have been ranting and raving on their respective outlets all week so there's only so much you can uh, I, I guess do at this point now it's been a full week since the game uh, if you're listening to this it's probably friday or saturday so you know, the, the game is kind of old news at this point but we do want to talk briefly about florida state and what it meant for the current state of the uofl football program certainly this team specifically uh and, and then we're going to we haven't done this in a while we asked for questions you guys delivered we had a ton of questions on twitter so we'll answer some of those and then we'll end the show by doing our predictions for now tomorrow's game against uc usf I, i'm going to say that like five times usf not ucf uh by the way three straight times we've played florida schools it's the first time it's ever happened we've played three straight uh, games against teams from a state other than kentucky kind of a wild let me, fact. Let me ask you Kelly this Dickey. if 
if Charlie was still coaching USF and he comes back, does he get like just an absolute rousing ovation or do you think they're, it's kind of half and half because of the way he left? I think because of how bad the team is right now, he'd get a rousing reduction. It's kind of like the, the Patino effect at that uh, at the Notre Dame basketball game. Like, yeah. if Chris Mack had been killing it and the team was great, I think there would have been a little bit more of a mixed reaction. But because people are so desperate to get back to winning, you put Patino on the big screen for the Russ Smith game when we're losing to Notre Dame at halftime, and it's like the biggest ovation of the entire season at the Yum Center. I think people would would go nuts for Charlie coming back right now just because they're kind of desperate to be reminded of the good times when we were a good football program. Um, let, let's talk uh, again briefly. We'll talk about the FSU game from last week. And I, I actually didn't mention this when we were recording yesterday. It wasn't how I let in, but I don't know if you've picked up on the same thing, Dan. And it's obviously it's faded a little bit as the week has gone on and people's emotions have died down. But, but I feel like for a lot of people, this was, kind of a breaking point like like this was and, and on the surface it seems weird to say that Louisville was a three and a half point underdog in this game and they lost by four points so you know to the, the national college football public this was just kind of a like you know why would that loss really bother you guys so much but it's such a I think combination of factors it's the buildup of a million losses like this it's the way that this one played out with you know Jordan Travis coming out lighting us up for a half then getting hurt um, his backup, Gary Rodemeyer, coming in and looking terrible at first, throwing the worst interception I've ever seen in my life, and then you know, somehow lighting us up in the second half. And just the fact that it was a game that we feel like we've seen 500 times play out, where it starts off with, you know, we're winning, but we should be winning by more. These self-inflicted wounds are, are keeping Florida State in the game, and then we're letting them hang around, we're letting them hang around. Oh my God, we're losing, and then we can't make a play to win the game. Like, that's... We've... We've done this, it feels like, 75 times over the last three years. And I've heard more people, I don't know, in, in that 48 hours between when the game ended Friday night and when, like, the weekend came to a close, I had more people say, like, I'm done. Like, this was it. I've tried to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. I've tried to stay in. If I if I try to take up for Scott Satterfield, if he wins the next three or four, slap me across the face. Like, just don't let me buy in again. I'm out. It just seems like people like, people aren't sad. People aren't even apathetic right now, which maybe was, is going to set in starting this weekend. But people were, after this game, just vehemently upset, just pissed about this loss. I don't know if you picked up on the same thing. No, I definitely have. And, I mean, just to piggyback off what you said, I think it's the fashion in which they lost. It's just been a blueprint for the last three years of how things have gone. It just seems like people had held out hope that something was going to change. Um, and I, I made this reference when we talked yesterday, but it really like, it, it reminds me of, uh, like you're dating some chick in high school and, uh, like, you know, whatever you guys are immature, but you're like, Hey, you know what? She goes out and drinks on the weekend. Maybe gets a little too drunk. Like, why is she crying all the time? Like, don't worry. Like, you know, she'll grow up and, or he'll grow up and like, you know, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll kind of improve their behavior once they get to college. And then like you get to college and it's like the same old shit. And you're like, God damn, like they're just, it's just not going to change no matter what. And we're seeing the same things, whether it's missed tackles, whether it's uh, being undisciplined as far as penalties, um, whether it's not finishing games, even though that was like, quote unquote, the theme of the off season. Um, 
and that's frustrating. And I, and I mean, I, I see the tweets about fans kind of checking out for whatever reason. I, I don't think the noise is as loud as it probably would be just because we have the recruiting class kind of hanging in the balance there. Um, but as far as like an, you know, on field performance from Scott Satterfield, Brian Brown, and this coaching staff, I mean, that's just that's just a game as a coaching staff. You have to figure out how to win. Yes, did the players, you know, not make plays in certain points? Of course. But you have to be able to put your team in a position to win, especially against a backup quarterback when the game is there for the taking. Um, I don't know, man. There, there's really not a whole lot to say. If, if you can't win that one, um, it really does look a little bit more grim for the outlook of the season. Um, I know he has got four must-win games, you know, South Florida, Virginia, uh, James Madison, and there's probably one more in there I'm forgetting. B- but BC probably. BC, yeah. Boston College at this point, yeah. And But, like, I mean, you lose one of those games, I mean, you're, set, you're staring five and seven, possibly four and eight, you know, in the face. And I, I, I think that's going to – if the fans haven't already checked out, um, I think that might, you know, spell his fate if that's kind of how we finish the year. I mean, we are hurtling out of control. We're like a comet rocketing through space just towards supreme awkwardness. Like, it, it, everybody knows where we're going. Like this, right. we're not going. We're not going to be so bad that it's cut and dry that we got to fire this guy. It's not going to be like 2018 bad. At least I don't think it's going to be. Where like you got to get rid of him before the season ends, or you know that we're just playing the you know, the season out with a lame duck coach. It just, I mean, we talked about this shit all summer, and and we are now through three games on the perfect track towards making it weird. Like, like if this team were two and one right now, I think fans would feel pretty optimistic about the you know the rest of the schedule. You would you know you'd feel good about the UCF win. You certainly would feel good about the FSU win, and you know we'd be saying. Okay, let, let's go seven and five. Let's go eight and four. Let's keep this class going. Let's you know let's let Scott prove that he's the guy. If you were three and zero, oh, it'd be unbridled enthusiasm. If you were zero oh and three, it'd be unanimous. We got to fire him now. One and two, people are pissed, but people are also still leaving that door open to like maybe he can do it. And also the way in which it's happened, just you know the, the Syracuse loss is so weird. Then you turn right around and you get a road win over a team that never loses at home, and then you have that game against Florida State that we've seen a million times where. You're watching them play, and you're like, we're the better team. We're the better team. They're doing good stuff. They're doing stupid shit. Now they're doing stupid shit, and now we lost. Like, it's just I, – I don't, I don't know where you go from here, and now we've got – we can talk about this in, in a minute. You've got, like, rumors about DeAndre Moore taking a visit to Texas. You've got a report this morning from one of the, the Texas riders on, on three that he's changed his crystal ball prediction, and it's just like, god damn it, Scott. Like, we talked about this. This is exactly what we wanted to avoid all summer long – and here we are, and it feels like we're just like, – like this is destined to be weird, destined to be awkward, and it sucks for everybody involved. I just – winning would have made everything so much simpler. And the the manner in which it happened, the pre-snap penalties, Louisville now through three weeks is, I think, 130th out of 134 teams in penalties, which is just absurd. The missed tackling, I mean – Kendrick Duncan had a a game to forget. Like he looked, the, the film was just very very bad. We had a lot of times, and Keith Wynn pointed this out 
you know, chopping some plays up and putting them on Twitter. We had a lot of plays where we had dudes in position and they just like whiffed or just didn't keep contained. And and then there was a lot of, I think, a lack of hustling. It was just the same old shit. And then you know, Malik Cunningham, he plays easily his best game of the season so far. Uh, threw the ball better than he had the first two weeks. Uh, was was really dynamic for the first three quarters, and then. At the end of the game, when you need him to step up and be a hero, you need him to, to produce that game-winning drive, he doesn't. Uh, he has a couple of opportunities, can't put the ball in the end zone, throws a late-game pick on a play where even if he completes the pass to Braden Smith, Braden Smith's out of bounds, so it's a penalty. You know, just, just throw the ball away, man. And it's you know, at, at the end of the day, Malik has said himself going into the season, the stats are great, I love you know all the numbers, but I just want to win. Like That's what it comes down to when you're the quarterback. You're the guy who gets the most credit for the win. You're the guy who gets the most blame for the loss. You know that going in, and his team is one and two. And it's it just feels like we are who we've been the last right. three years, and, and that's a, a big a big shame. Let me read you the, the quote, because Scott Satterfield and company, the press conference after the game is – mostly the same of what we heard for the last three years where he's like, yeah, you know, we disappointed, got to tackle better guys got to make plays. And then he gets asked about the penalties and he's like, we make them run in practice. I don't know what else you want me to do. And I, I told the story uh, you know, the last time we recorded about, it reminded me of, we had a, a briefly when I was growing up, a neighbor across the street, they moved out after like a year, but had this dog that they would keep outside. It was an outside dog, outside dog people. Uh, what are you doing about the dog inside? Come on. But, they had an outside dog and it would just bark all night long, like just the loudest barking you've ever heard in your life. Three, four a.m. Nobody could sleep. And we would all would go over to the neighbors and be like, you know, you guys got to do something here. And their response was, well, we told them to be quiet. And like, that's not that's, that's not right. good enough. Like, you know, Satterfield's like, we're telling them it's wrong. You, you got to do something to clean this up. It's, it's ridiculous. But the quote that really got people worked up, and I'll let you react to this, is Brian Brown on Tuesday during his media availability talking about watching the film of the game from Friday night and saying they saw it on film and they were excited that it wasn't as bad as they thought it would be schematically and whatnot. It was just that guys were there and we just didn't finish and make the tackle, which how bad do they think it was going to be if they watched the film and they're like, I, you know what? I'm, I'm excited. This, this actually was, I was expecting worse. I thought we were going to have our pants down. I thought we were going to be staring up into the crowd. I thought we were going to be like lying on the ground crying. The fact that we just didn't make plays. I'm excited about that. Here. I mean, it's obvious by now here in year four. And I mean, it's no secret to us that like the term you would put on like Satterfield and Brian Brown would be a, a player's coach. Okay. And I get that. And uh, like, you know, I'm not saying like players coaches aren't successful. Like there's some programs that, that works. Okay. But when you are making not only mental mistakes and physical mistakes, but like, I mean the play where Monty Montgomery and Kendrick Duncan are obviously jogging after the ball carrier and the most pr- yeah. you know crucial part of the game at some point, you have to lay these kids out. Like, it, that's just my opinion. And I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think you're being too hard on them by calling someone out for not hustling. Like, I I, I think at some point, you, you, you know, instead of patting these kids on the back, you got to get in their ass a little bit. And I think that's what the fans want to see. They want to see some sort of emotion and, and know that, hey, this this won't be acceptable around here. And, 
I think that's why a lot of the fans are checking out because they're like, Jesus. Well, I mean, the obviously the coaches like, I, I guess, yeah, I know, whatever. It, they're they're running laps, but it's more than running. I mean, and you have to have these kids held accountable for their mental mistakes, for their physical mistakes, and it just doesn't seem like we have a coaching staff. Um, that instills that type of, I don't want to say fear because it shouldn't be fear, but you know, they don't install that type of will to where the players are just a disciplined football team. And, um, I don't know, man, like I, what it, it just, maybe this is a different time. Like, do you think we're being too irrational? Like, I mean, it's year four, like, are we asking, like, you know, are we expecting too much here? Like, cause they could be two and two after this week. But, like, you know, it seems like half the fan base is checked out. Um, and it seems like half the fan base, if not more, is, you know, already talking about coaching changes. Is that just a sign of the times where in year four, like, that's kind of the, you know, timeline here? Or are we being too harsh on this guy? Because I don't know. Like, it, it's tough. Like, I, I feel like I when I say it out loud, I'm being too harsh when I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work, but I, it's, I'm just seeing the same shit over and over. Um, and I guess that's what the most frustrating part is. And he's got a losing record after four years right now, or in the middle of, of four years. Like, that's his best season was his first season. It was a 7 5 regular season with, I mean, you can say, like with Petrino's players. Like, Petrino's right. players were, were the, the, the ones who were the biggest difference makers on the, those first Satterfield teams. Like, I don't think it's being too hard because. I mean, look at the history of Louisville football. There's, we've had some very bad times historically. We've had some very average times historically. There's never been a point where, after four years, with a guy with a losing overall record, the fan base has been like, "This is okay. We're 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 good with this." And I know that there are reasons to justify, certainly, what happened in 2020. Like the COVID year was a weird thing for everybody. But now we're seeing the same stuff that we saw that season. We're seeing the same stuff that we saw last season. And if it doesn't get turned around to a point where you feel like these guys know what they're doing, then what, what's the point? I mean, if eight and four is the best that we can hope for, even with this recruiting class coming in, hopefully, then you know, what's, what's this all for? Like, like we want to, this is a program. We know that it can be done here. We know that it can be done here. I know that we did it in different conferences, but those teams with Charlie, those teams in the first Petrino era, some of those teams in the in the second Petrino era, we know they could play with anybody because they did play with anybody. And the fact that it could be done here before and it's not being done here now, I think speaks volumes. And like we should have, we're not Clemson fans. We're not going to have the highest expectations. Uh, we don't expect to be in the playoff every single year, but we should have realistic expectations of being top 25 good just about every year. And, flirting with the playoff when it expands uh, um, every now and then. I, I don't think that that's unreasonable at all. And right now we're not even close to that world. And I think that's where the frustration lies. And I think it's understandable frustration. And um, one, just to piggyback off that, those four games I mentioned that like are must win for Scott. I mean, <laughs> those are not just like gimmies with what I've seen no. on the field. Like we could easily lose two, possibly even three of those games. I mean, Sure. I, I I said to see yesterday, the offense is like I, when when we watched the basketball scrimmage, like when the against Kentucky State, the first game of the year, and they were like whipping their ass. I remember texting the group 
And everyone's like, gosh, you know, we look great. We're up like 50, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I was like, I'm not saying it's bad. I was like, but for whatever reason, like, we're doing this, but we do not look like a very, like, athletic, explosive team. Um, and that's kind of what I see, especially on the offensive side of the ball, at least right now. Now, Tyon Evans obviously was out. I think he might change that or uptick the, ex- you know, explosiveness a little bit. But, I mean, without Tyler Harrell, I mean, there's really no one to go over the top. We lose D. Wiggins. Um, yeah. It seems like the second half, we just resort to, to you know, hey, Malik, here's the ball. Like, please just get us out of this mess because, you know, we can't do anything explosive here to where we're going to change the game or flip the field. Um, God, if we run another third down crossing route, especially short of the sticks, I was going to have a heart attack. But um, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just uh, when I watched the team, I was like, uh, maybe, maybe I was uh, – you know, overestimating kind of what our offensive prowess would be because to me right now, like unless the running game truly like explodes, it's just kind of a very mediocre offense. Yeah. Let's real quickly, we can full on address the, the elephant in the room, which is this recruiting class, which has been such so talked about. You've got, DeAndre Moore on, I believe, Wednesday this week, it comes out that he's planning a visit to Texas. He very briefly takes Louisville commit out of his Twitter bio. He puts it back in, but people got the screenshots during that that very brief moment in time. His First of all, did you know, like this is me as a bad quote-unquote UofL media person, I guess. Did you know DeAndre Moore's brother's on the team right now? What? Oh, I did not know that. Um, that is, uh, well, I, I had mean, I had no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I would hope that's a a good thing. So his brother Ty Moore, who's a redshirt sophomore walk on wide receiver, he tweets out like the the report about the Moore taking a visit to Texas and just says fake news. And I saw it originally, and I'm like cool like a player on the team right now is saying that deandre moore is not taking a visit he maybe he knows and people are like oh yeah that's deandre moore's brother it's his first year on the team he walked on a couple of seasons at new mexico played at a juco last year but i i had no idea it's that's on me i probably should have known that but we had a, a report today from an on three rider who does cover texas he's a, a texas fan writer i guess who flipped his prediction for more from louisville to texas and it's just kind of like this is what we were hoping to avoid. Like this is what we were nervous about. Like it, it's. I'm not saying that everything's going to just fall apart, but it feels like the first kind of cracks. People have noticed that Pierce Clarkson and his dad have been tweeting a little bit less about U of L in recent weeks, and I, I can't sit here and say that I'm not nervous about it because we watch. I mean, every Friday I see a Ruben Owens highlight video, and he looks so fucking good, and I just am desperate to see him play for U of L. And if it gets taken away from me at this point it's going to absolutely break my heart DeAndre Moore I think is just about as good and explosive and exciting these are the types of guys that we just we, we never get you you never right. get them to Louisville and now we're being tempted with this we're being teased with this and I just feel like if we'd been winning if we we're a 3-0 and it'd be no problem but now I, I I fear that even if we keep Scott Satterfield even if we go 6-6 six and six, we're going to lose some of these guys and it, I, I don't know if it's irrational but I'm, I'm panicking a little bit Dan I mean, I, I I see people saying like, hey, if you know, if you want to recruit with like the big time players, like this is what happens. They take other visits, and believe me, like 
I I get that statement, but this is different. Like this is the first year that we've had like a top 20 recruiting class and it's like basically like out of the blue. So of course, yeah. like people like I don't think are a hundred percent bought into the fact that this is actually going to happen. So of course, when we start out bad, uh, I, people are going to panic. And, you know, if someone takes another visit and I'm kind of with you here, um, I, I feel like it's not a great sign. Um, if hopefully I'm overreacting and it's nothing, but just the way things are trending right now, I feel like we're not overreacting to this. Um, and I don't know, like it'll, it'll be interesting, man. I mean, so much of the season that has to play out still, like I totally get that. Um, but it's going to be weird to see, you know, if for whatever reason, Scott isn't retained kind of how we're going to try to keep this recruiting class together. Are we going to keep, you know, Lance Taylor on staff um, since it seems like he did most of the work out West or is, you know, is Josh Hurd going to be heavily involved in trying to keep this class together is our new coach, you know, are we going to make a splash with whoever our new coach is? Are they going to be able to recruit, you know, keep this class together? Um, so still a lot to play out. I totally get that, but I'm with you. I mean, obviously I, anytime I see one of the, recruits making a visit especially a school like texas it's not like they're visiting like iowa state or something yeah you're gonna get nervous it's so bad i looked up because ruben owens has this 502 tattoo i looked up the potential area codes that you could change 502 to um like 582 is i believe upper massachusetts i think we're we're probably okay there 508 is um the whole state of Vermont, which only has one area code, apparently. I don't think the Catamounts are taking Ruben Owens. The other ones, like, I, he's going to have to just get rid of the tattoo completely if he's going to go to a, a power school in Texas because you can't flip that 502 into something. I, I feel I feel confident about that, but I'm I'm freaking out a little bit. Give me uh, give me two. I want two of the three. Uh, I mean, I want almost all the kids, obviously, like the the O line and that you know. Madden's how do you pronounce his last name Sanker like I definitely want him but yeah. I need I need two of the three of Clarkson Owens and more like give me two of those three if one of them has to move on like I can live with that but like god I I, I need two of those three right there all right do you have any parting thoughts about FSU or do you want to start taking some uh some sort some questions from Twitter <sighs> we should have fucking won anyways yeah, yeah let's yeah. go to Twitter all right, Twitter questions we asked, you guys delivered. We have a bunch. We won't get to all of these, but we'll get to as many as we can. Um, Wes Jackson says, uh, what coaches would you want, not including Jeff Brom? Half of these responses were about Jeff Brom in some way, shape, or form. Uh, do you ha- like, Have you even thought about guys that you would want to target? I-, I know that everybody's mind is kind of flying all over the place at this point, but outside of Jeff Brom, is there anybody on the Dan list right now? Saban. Um, no, I, I I really like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm not as well versed as, uh, for college football coaching candidates as maybe I would be basketball. Um, cause like, look at the guy at Kansas. What's his name? Lance Leopold. Like he came from like a, was it, didn't he come from like some very small college and like, he's having a very successful, I mean, I know it's just three games, but sometimes that's kind of where you find these hit. And gyms is like small colleges and stuff like that now granted 
I don't know if I want to go that route after fucking having Cragthorpe and Satterfield. Like, I really don't know if I want to go like the the small college, make the big jump to the ACC route. Um, but I mean, I see you know kind of the same names thrown out there as most people do. I've seen Brom, you know, Dion, um, which I don't think that's super realistic, but. I, I'll probably have to dive into it a little bit deeper. You know, Clint Hurt, Dave Ragone, stuff like that. Um, I don't know. Like, I, it, we're obviously going to have to trust Josh Hurt on this one if, if it does get to that point. But um, I, I don't feel comfortable naming, like, a, a candidate probably besides Brom that would be realistic here. It's weird how quick things flip because I, I can tell you – I don't think I'm – Maybe it is breaking news a little bit, but I can tell you with a high degree of certainty that both Jeff Brom and Dave Ragone would like to be the next level head football coach. And the issue has become like their on-field results. You know, three years ago, I think both those guys people would have been going nuts over some, and some fans still will be going nuts over. But because Ragone's offense in Atlanta hasn't exactly been lighting scoreboards up, which is not it, probably not entirely his fault. I think he's got limited pieces to work with it might be a tougher sell because Jeff Brom maybe isn't winning at a high enough level at Purdue. And some of their losses, a couple of their losses this year have come with some weird late game stuff. There are some fans that are, are kind of pushing back against him a little bit, but outside of that, um, if we're going to go just based on like our personal history, give me an assistant that I don't know a whole lot about because like when we hired Charlie strong, like, like let's be real. Like we all kind of like looked into his background and we're like, Oh, okay. Like that seems Okay. When we were like going to hire Bobby Petrino the first time, we kind of looked into his back. Like we didn't know who Bobby Petrino really was or who Charlie Strong really was a year before that they were hired, uh, and they wound up being great. Scott Satterfield coming from App State, Steve Craigthorpe coming from Tulsa. That kind of group of five to Power Five transition has not worked out that well for us. So if I'm leaning one way, I'm kind of leaning towards like power program coordinator at this point. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, look what Brett Venables is already doing down in Oklahoma. It seems like he's already got them on track. I yeah. mean, that's a that's a big one, obviously. I mean, he was like one of the bigger fish to catch, but I'm with you. Like, sometimes some, some coordinator at a hopefully big-time school that's having success that is kind of on the precipice of becoming a head coach. We also need to, I mean, we're getting the unrealistic candidates being through, like, people are like, Luke Fickle. I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd love <laughs> Luke Fickle. Yeah, I don't think that's I happening. Think Luke Fickle's next leap is going to be the leap home. Like, like he's, he's, he's going somewhere big whenever he oh, moves it'll next. Be, and, that'll be Ryan Day to the NFL, Luke Fickle to Ohio State. Like, I'm almost willing to like. put, put money on that. That feels like where we're trending. Uh, JD says, how insufferable is John Ramsey? No, John's not insufferable. He's he's fine. I love John. Um, missed doing radio with him, absolutely. He got a shout-out from uh, from Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam during oh, uh, Louder Than Life last weekend. Can't find a better man. Can't <laughs> find a better man. My man, John. All right, I love it. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> that was my man Eddie. <laughs> Just reminds me of the old John Boys used to do a tweet, Widener's Finest, where he was like, He calls the Reds, he sucks out loud, can't find a Brenna man. <laughs> you, you know what, man? I, I, like, I don't listen to it anymore, but like early 2010s, I used to listen to Jim Rome, and there was like a skit that had, 
I don't know. It, like, I'd have to go back and dig into it, but they would play that clip all the time of like one of their coworkers like uh, doing karaoke and singing that, and I would laugh my ass off every time. That's where I got it from. Um, Kevin Skagg says, what is your Mount Rushmore of chips? Potato or tortilla, Cheetos, Doritos, pretzels, any chip you can think of. And Dan, I think we've covered this on the pod before, but you are – you have like a legit phobia of Doritos. I do. Um, like, I guess <laughs> when I was young, I overdid it. Like when I was like four or five on Doritos <laughs> and just barf my fucking brains out. So like anytime someone opens a bag, I'm like, like, I really, I'm like an even keel guy. I don't get upset. But if you open a bag of Doritos near me and then I'm like, please step away and you don't, I like legitimately get pissed. I'm like, don't fuck with me, man. Like Matt Damon. <laughs> I'm like, don't fuck with me, Sean. But no, like not you, even man. The, yeah. Even as a fraternity guy, like they, people found out I hated Doritos. And I was like part of my hazing is people would like try to dump Doritos on me. And believe me, I have not forgot who those people were. Like they will live in my brain forever but um yeah doritos are disgusting i used to i haven't had doritos in probably like 15 years i used to like cool ranch doritos my favorite i'm not a big chip guy i don't think you are really either but i like uh i like salt and vinegar chips with with sandwiches like those are good (laughs) i i I like pretzels with dips like that's you know pretzels and hummus pretzels and little ranch dip pretzels would be on my mount rushmore I know you. We both like the those dot pretzels. They're, those oh are yeah, very good dot dot pretzels are on the Mount Rushmore. Like I travel a lot, so I make a lot of convenience store stops, and like I don't think I've gone in there without getting one of those big bags of combos, um, which says a lot about where I am right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember? I don't even know if you remember this. In high school, I ate a I ate a chip sandwich every. Oh, every I was gonna day. bring it up. I'd That's bring like. like that was like your trade mark. You'd literally like sit like you were like probably the biggest packer of the. Oh yeah, like you love to pack your lunch and um, yeah, just you'd always lay those chips right on the sandwich. Something a little satisfying about it, but um, yeah, I, turkey. Like said, it was turkey. It was turkey and Colby on like a bun, and then I would just like regular like standard potato chips. Just you know what? Like, I chip get sandwich every day. Do that. I do that at home sometimes um, when I'm feeling a little frisky, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like you said, I'm not a big, I'm a huge, huge chips and salsa guy. Like I will try any salsa. I will go to the end of the earth to try different salsa. I'm a big spice guy, like spicy. So, um, any, any salsa recommendations out there that you love, send them my way. Uh, swag monster says, why doesn't my life, why doesn't my wife love me, Mike? Um, I don't know. More unexpected gifts and unexpected times. It's the key. Finding Forrester. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it has nothing to do with the name Swag Monster. <laughs> turn, turn the swag up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, might want to turn the swag up just a tad. Turn the monster down. Um, <laughs> Evan says, can we start the hire Harry Douglas campaign? I'd love to see Harry Douglas as a, as a coach. He'd be, I think he'd do, he'd do a great He's doing great on ESPN, though, right now. Yeah. I mean, we love Harry. This is a uh, uh, pro Harry Douglas podcast. Um, yeah, any way for him to get involved in the program, I'm all for. Um, the Devster says, was Ken Lola's abrupt departure ever discussed? UMA men's soccer used to be as exciting as any program. Then we lost the top five coach, which was never replaced. I feel like it'd be if Dan McDonald 
just bounced and we replaced him with some local guy and we were never contenders again. Well, I, I mean, we're we haven't been as good recently as we were with with Ken Lola here, but John Michael Hayden, I think, has done a good job. We went to the NCAA tournament last year. We're number twenty five in the country right now, so we're nationally ranked. But Ken Lola's departure was weird. Uh, yeah. My understanding was always that it was one. He's a, a great motivational speaker, a very religious guy. I think he wanted to do something professionally that combined those things, and that's what he's been doing. He's been doing, I think, speaking tours, and he's been you know, doing some religious stuff. But I, the other thing that I was told was it it was at least some ways tied to Tom Durich leaving. He, he felt like you know Tom was kind of his guy. Tom was the guy who gave him what he wanted to, to, to make the program as successful as it was. And when he left, I think he was concerned about not receiving that same level of support. Um, so I, I think that did play a part in his, his leaving, but men's soccer, I think John Michael Hayden's done a good job. He just got a contract extension. They're not, they haven't been kind of in that national title race like they were under Lola in recent years, but they're still, you know, they play pit tonight. It's going to be a big game. Uh, number 25 versus number eight. I got faith in our, our Trinity brethren there. No, I mean, obviously I was going to say we're Trinity guys. So, um, nothing bad to say about John Michael Hayden. Um, but that is big shoes to fill. Like, you didn't hear one bad word ever about Ken Lola when he was here. Like, you heard only positive things. And I think you're right. Just from everything I've heard, I think a lot of it had to do. He was very tied to Tom Jurch at the time. And, you know, we were lucky enough, for the most part, to to hang on to some good coaches, even when, when Tom left, like, like a Dan McDonald. Um, but, you know, sometimes that, that's just the way it goes. But... I got faith that our soccer team will we'll get back there. Like you said, we're kind of I feel like trending upwards the last couple of years. So um, just got to give them a little bit of time here. I'm just realizing when we started recording today, you didn't play your your sad song off your phone. What what yeah. did you play yesterday? <laughs> I gotta find it here. Oh man, I, give me a second. I'll play it. I'll play it as <laughs> uh, like going out music. <laughs> okay. Uh, Keys asks better all time card. Let's settle the debate right now. Is it Brad Giannini or Chris Current? Oh man, I can't answer this. Like, Do you remember this that that we like when we met Brad Giannini and Chris Current? Uh, we, we like were <laughs> drinking with them at the top of Molly's after we beat UConn in I think 2014. We like straight up asked them about how we debated all the time which one of them was better i th- i do remember that god we had yeah molly's we, uh, there were some wild times up there but um that night got away from us that yeah that that night did get away from us but i don't know like i mean i think brad was obviously in some bigger moments like obviously the memphis conference usa championship game comes to mind I remember Brad in the God. It was Maui, wasn't it? Where Brad like went off for like fifteen points or something. Am I? Is that right? I have zero recollection oh, of that. I if swear, it happened, I swear. I didn't. We did we play Iowa and Maui one year or like we played Iowa. We played Iowa in like the Wooden Legacy. Okay, um, I, I'll have to look this up because I swear there was a game where Brad had like. 12 or 15 it was like one of the first games of the year and i was like is this a thing you um, might be right like we played them, i think i think we may have played them in maui too because we lost to them twice in like a three-year span very, very early in the year so you might you that may be right i think i feel like one of those was in maui too now that i think about it yeah but no i i mean i've always kind of looked at him as like a similar you know player and um obviously they were there for some good times so nothing but good memories with those guys 
I mean, you, you're just not going to pick, are you? Give, give uh, me right. Giannini. I'm He's sorry, crafty. I don't want to hurt it. I, I liked both of them, but if I had to base base it on basketball merit only, I'm I'm probably going to go Brad just because I remember him a little bit more on the court. He was crafty. He had handles. He started yeah. a few games. I was a, I was a big Brad guy back in the day. Um, Rawls Quixote says, with the news that Vladimir Putin is mobilizing 300,000 reserve soldiers, is Danny in any way concerned that his radio counterpart, Trevor, could be drafted into military (laughs) service? So people on the who listen to the radio show think Trevor is is a Russian. He's a a Russian (laughs) sympathizer. That's what that's about. Uh, Yeah, we're we're worried about TK. I I feel like I need to... Like have a camera crew like go out with me and Trevor one night and just literally record us at like I don't know what Trevor's hobbies are. Um, it's just drugs. It's just, it's just, just, it's just drugs, drugs and video games. That's we'll it. May, maybe we'll leave the camera at home. But um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, yeah. No, I think I, I'd like a, a a night out with Trevor. Isn't he big? At, you said he's big into wrestling. Very big into wrestling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I could probably not only i can go toe to toe with them but like my you know like 1989 through like 2000 wrestling knowledge i'd I'd put on par with a lot of people yeah when i say trevor's big into wrestling i mean he's like streaming japanese wrestling at 3 a.m like he's it's a different level gotcha so not just yokozuna there's other guys it's just like hey do you remember coco beware it's that that's not his thing (laughs) gotcha (laughs) okay yeah it's like we had the model rick martell's theme music (laughs) (laughs) um jacob says let's just do it straight up right now is scott satterfield the head coach a year from now what do you think i'll I'll let you go first I just said, I, you know what? Fans are probably not going to like this answer. I think yes. Like, I, I, I feel like Josh just made a basketball hire. And I know Scott's, like, not his guy. Like, he didn't hire him. But I don't know. Like, I, I think he is still looking for some stability within the football program. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to say yes, but I'm not very confident in that. I'm going no. Um, one, I feel like, I feel like Josh Hurd's not going to hesitate to, to, to pull, he's not going to be held hostage by a recruiting club. Uh, if he thinks that this is not the guy who can lead little football back to where we want it to be, then he's going to, to you know, say it's time to, to cut ties. I also, I am not certain that Scott Satterfield really wants to be here. If I'm just being honest, like if he does, he needs to start showing us like, like he needs to. Like, how badly do you want to be the coach who takes U of L football back to national prominence? Because we don't seem to, to see a whole lot of that. You got the South Carolina thing. You've got the fact that he just kind of comes off as what was me in press conferences, and just it just doesn't seem like a fit. It, it doesn't. It hasn't for a long time. It certainly doesn't right now. There's still time for this to be rectified, sure. But it feels like we are we, we are trending in a direction where this is just a a failed marriage that needs to be severed at some point in the relatively near future. Uh, this this is no inside information. I'm not trying to like pass along any inside information and, and veil it as me giving an opinion. This is just a guess. I'm my guess would be that he's not the head coach next year. Um, you know what? I literally think you just swayed me. I'm switching my answer. I, like there I it is. Know. I just like <laughs> the more I think about it, I'm like, I mean, like especially like I mean, I'm thinking in my head like, hey, Florida State, like great crowd, blah blah, blah but. 
I don't know. I think once we start seeing some of these future home attendance games, like it's going to feel kind of Craig Thorpian a little bit. For um, sure. And the writing could be on the wall. So I'm changing my answer. And we did give a shout out to the crowd. I mean, you, I know the number wasn't exactly over the top. I think 46,000 in change is what they announced the attendance last Friday. But the fans who were there, I mean, it was very loud. They were very into it. They showed up. They were wearing the red. Red. The red out looked good on TV. It was, you know, it was the type of environment that you expect. And if they'd won, I think the crowds would have continued to be good for the rest of the year. And now they're going to you use the word Craig Thorpian. You're probably going to have around 30,000, maybe not even that Saturday for USF. And you're going, we're, we're going to be right back to having that type of crowd that's always on edge. Like they're waiting. If, if USF scores first on Saturday, there's going to be booze. Like, like people are, are upset. They're, the diehards are going to be out there, but they want to see more from this team. They want to see more from this coaching staff. And if they don't get it, they're going to voice their, their opinions loud. It's just, it's not a pretty thing. It's not where anybody wants to be, but it's certainly where we are right now. Um, Hank Tubb says, shocking lack of explosive plays with Satterfield's play calling right now. Do you think that we call Dylan Lawson and make him say no? He knows a thing or two about explosive offense. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, so for, for people listening who have no idea what that's about, uh, like one of my oldest friends, and I know, Dan, you're, you were friends with him. We went to high school, all went to high school together. Uh, Dylan Lawson, who I played baseball with my entire life through high school, is now the hitting coach for the New York Yankees. And it's very fucking weird to see, like, turn on a Yankees game, see Aaron Judge hit his 60th home run, tie Babe Ruth, and then have him, you know, dap up like a, a, a guy that I've known my entire life in, in the Yankees dugout and then like text him five minutes after the game and have him talk about it. It's super weird, but it's very cool. Uh, and he's doing a hell of a job up there in New York. You wouldn't know it from the fan base though, but my we, God, we have, yeah, we have to talk about like, I don't know why we haven't talked about this yet. The red series in New York. Like, I mean, I think for people that don't know, like I have two uncles that work for the reds right now. Um, they're equipment managers. Like one of them is, the, you know, the visiting clubhouse manager that usually um, works the visiting clubhouse and the other is the home clubhouse. So usually one of my uncles goes on the road trips. So I gave him a heads up. I'm like, hey, when you're in New York, like, go over and say hi to Dylan. Like, I went to high school. I played baseball with him. Like, he's friends with a bunch of, you know, me and my friends. So he, we get a picture from my uncle that Aaron Boone, like, took on the field. <laughs> I'm Dylan and my uncle, and we're like, God, what like a circle of life this is. And then, then we're watching the game later that <laughs> night, and Dylan gets ejected from the dugout. I couldn't believe it. Like it was absolutely wild. Like I was and like, what is going on? One of the most surreal moments of my life. I'm watching the game. <laughs> like one of my good friends gets thrown out of the game against my favorite team. I text him three minutes after I've just watched this. Like, we have a group text of our former baseball guys. And I'm like, uh, hey, Dill. And he just goes, hey, guys. <laughs> and he's like, I'm like, so what do you do now? But like, we're like, he's like texting us from the Yankees clubhouse about like what he's doing and how much he hated this guy that tossed him out of the game. He's like, he was a, he's fucking soft. All this. I was like, well, this is, this is a very surreal moment for me, but it's very cool to see. Uh, I mean, I've never liked the Yankees. I, 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 
certainly still like don't like the Yankees, but it's kind of hard not to cheer for them at this point when one of my oldest friends is like chasing a World Series ring and also chasing history with Aaron Judge. It's it's pretty cool to follow. I will say um, the Yan- I, I won't get. I know people are getting bored. Yankees are a lot more likable this year, except like Garrett Cole and Donaldson. Those two suck, but everyone else, I actually I kind of like on the Yankees. Kevin Skagg says, uh, have y'all been paying attention to volleyball? Yeah, we bring up volleyball on the radio show so much that you UK fans like make fun of us on the text line about it. But um, Louisville Volleyball, number two in the country. They took down uh, number nine Stanford last week. They start ACC play tonight, I believe, against uh, against Miami. And yeah, I was cool thing. Say ESPN taking notice. They're giving us yeah. two more games. Yeah, they played Kentucky on ESPN a couple of Wednesdays ago, which was the fourth volleyball match uh, regular season volleyball match ever that's been on the big network the ratings were very good I, I saw it did like 375k viewers which if you're looking for a comparison is kind of the same as the like an mls regular season match that airs on espn and mls has like a 250 million dollar contract with espn so th- that was a, a very impressive number and now espn has moved two more louisville volleyball matches i believe it's the their matches coming up against florida state and georgia tech uh, to espn it'll be on sunday so it's up against the nfl but that's uh, still a, a nice vote of confidence and a nice recognition for, for our ladies. But they're number two in the country. Fucking Texas, again, is number one. Um, so they're killing it. Uh, only Texas one loss like so far this year. Rival Ohio State. That we, like, never play in any sport. I feel like Texas. They are. I mean, been fucking I hate lately. Texas. I'm done with Texas. I hate them. Um, let's see. Uh, I can't read that one. Um <laughs> Uh, Clay says, we got Saved by the Bell on the beach. We got Saved by the Bell in Hawaii, in college, in Vegas. Why didn't they ever hit Europe? It's a good question. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess if you count Screech's spaghetti sauce episode, there was some, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Italian references there. Um, We had the chess episode, like, also there. Uh, The Spassky Bishop block? Yeah. Gosh, just windy game. Yeah. He's too good. He's too good. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, no, I, I would have loved to see some Zach Morris uh, European outfits for sure. I feel like USA High just picked up that ball and ran with it. Uh, Eiffel Tower Cafe was a terrible show, but they uh, they, they tried to do the say by the Bell in, in Europe thing. Uh, Marky Schultz, I read this yesterday and you, you made fun of me. I'm going to read it again, though, even though it's very complimentary to me. Uh, Marky says... <laughs> Mike, I love the way you cover your teams. It's the best way to do it. I moved here 16 years ago, and now, uh, and you're the only dude who seems to get what's going on here, in my opinion. So, what's the true goal for the football team? Respect, championship contention, conference contention, because I believe that you guys are a basketball force, and that won't ever change. I'm an OSU fan. I know that I expect to be a football force, and I'm stoked when we make a run in hoops. Is the flip true at UofL? Do you expect to occasionally make a run at the top in football? First of all, thank you, Marky. Uh, yeah, very, very, that. very complimentary there. Yeah, that was a <laughs> convenient question to read. You've got great hair. You, yeah. uh, you you're the best dad. You can uh, do I love fifty push-ups without <laughs> stopping. Um, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier uh, with it when we were talking about just like the the team. You asked that question about you know are we being fair to Scott Satterfield? I don't think our expectations for the football program are unreasonable. Like I don't think that any Louisville football fan is of the mindset that like we should be Ohio State, Auburn, Alabama, you know, LSU, Clemson every single year. Like we should be in that upper echelon. I think we all know how hard it is to break through and become one of the haves in college football. But I think because of 
the, the fact that we've, I mean, we've had a Heisman Trophy winner. We've been in the playoff race uh, multiple times over the last couple of decades. We've had two top six finishes. We've had four top 15 finishes over the last two decades. I, I think we know that it can be done here. And I think most Louisville football fans are fine with being like top 25-ish good most seasons. And then once every, I don't know, five, six years, like competing for a conference championship when these divisions go away and hopefully flirting with like a spot in the playoff when it expands to 12 teams. I, I think that should be the expectation. I don't think it's unreasonable. I think it's different than basketball for sure. But like, that's kind of where I am. Yeah, and I, I, I somewhat agree. Like, I don't think it's bad to have high expectations every once in a while. Um, I, I do wonder that when we were making a lot of those, you know, runs at orange bowls and, and sugar bowls and stuff like that, we, we were not playing quote unquote, like in a power five conference, like not saying the big East was dog shit by any means. Um, I mean, obviously we had West Virginia Rucker. I mean, there were some good teams there, but uh, just, I think we may have underestimated the kind of, middle of the road teams in the ACC when we joined like I think we had just like chalked up a bunch of wins in our head like oh Virginia win Wake Forest win North Carolina we're better than them like you know as surefire wins and now that we've gotten in the conference now granted since we've been in this conference I mean I think there's only really been one year where uh, you know I I think we had a team that was quote-unquote contenders um, in the national spotlight but yeah, it's it's been tough sledding so far. So I don't know if I want to like I don't think I should dial back my expectations, but I I do think it's a, a a bigger uphill climb in the ACC than maybe we gave it credit for when we entered back in two thousand and what fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, I think the issue is the conference has changed since we entered. Like like when we entered, BC and Wake were terrible. Syracuse was not good, and those teams have gotten better. Yeah, and we haven't. Like we've got, we've gotten worse because the first three seasons we were in the conference, we went undefeated against the the non Florida State Clemson teams in the Atlantic Division. We were three and zero against NC State, Wake, BC, and Syracuse. Like we we dominated those teams. They upped their game besides Syracuse until this year, and we've gotten worse. And it's just like you know, it's 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 tougher to dig yourself out of a hole in this conference than it was back in the Big East and certainly Conference USA. And I think we're we're kind of finding that out right now. Um. Jamar says, how much NIL money will this defense generate for opposing offenses this year? Um, I mean, did we get Johnny Wilson paid? Like, like that tall guy that Scott that Satterfield would call him? Like, yeah, that was, a, that was a tough scene there for Scott. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's pretty – I mean, I can't believe – like, do you think there's any chance Brown gets let go midseason? I know we're just coming off a game in UCF where – they maybe had one of their better defensive performances of the year. And I've seen the stat where, you know, it seems like the defense has strung together like a decent amount of stops in a row, like in consecutive games. But it does seem like, I mean, he did say this is his most talented defensive team, yet we're seeing some of the same issues that we've seen the the first four years. Um, And I'm just surprised that Scott has just tied himself to this guy and, I could. He's just going down with the ship. I feel like a little bit, but yeah. maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a little too, too hard on him. I don't think I am, but haven't seen the improvement that I was hoping to see. Yeah, at this point, I think going down with the ship—that's the the right term. I, I don't think, 
And I also don't think if he, if he's going to try to do this sacrificial coordinator thing, I don't think it should play with the fan base because I Scott made this decision to keep Brian Brown around. Like this is you're not the offensive coordinator, you're the head coach. You are in charge of bringing in players, you're in charge of scheme, you're in charge of of who your defensive coaches are. And if you looked at the the data from 3 years that said Brian Brown is not good and this defense has been just downright bad and you still chose to keep him for year four, you don't get credit for firing him after or during year four. Like that falls on you. Like this is, this is your program. And I don't think people should be like, well, now that, that Brian Brown's gone, Satterfield can finally start coaching his game. And like, that's, that should not be a thing. If he wanted to try to get that little, you know, support boost move, he should have done it after a year or two. And it's just at the end of the day, like this is, this is his program. Whatever happens falls on him. It's been four years. You, you don't get that coordinator like safety net at this point. Uh, Josh says, would you rather beat UK in football or basketball this year? I yeah. Go ahead. You go first. I, it's weird because like, I, you know, you, we don't know what type of season this football team is going to have. We don't know what the, like, the situation is going to be with Satterfield. Like just on its head, just just like everything being equal, give me football right now because we've been just dominated by these guys so badly the last three times we've played. It's never been like this bad for us on this side of the rivalry. I'd love to get things back going to like where we've got the Governor's Cup. I know basketball, it would be great to beat John Calipari and Kenny Payne's first season, but we've got time to get the roster better. We've got time to, to improve. Right now, in, in this very brief moment in time, I'm taking the football win. Yeah, I'm going to go basketball um, only because I, I think being the first year, like it makes like such a statement if your coach is to go out and beat your biggest rival. Like I think when like, you know, John Calipari came in first year and obviously, I mean, they had John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins. And I mean, they came in, they beat us. I know it wasn't one of U of L's better teams that year, um, but it was kind of a hey I'm here now and like things are going to be a little bit different type deal and it would be amazing if Kenny Payne could do that um with football obviously I'm not saying I don't want to win this game but you know with with a with a win against UK you you could be you know maybe by the fans you know dismay prolonging the Scott Satterfield era you know even a little bit longer so um for for me, uh, you know, I'm not saying I want to lose, but it, it might speed up the process a little bit um, if, if most of the fan base is on board with with getting a new coach. Yeah, I, I can see that too. I mean, it's it's a tough question to answer here on September 23rd. We'll right. probably be able to give a better answer here come November. Uh, Colby says, "Is KP hedging hard, or is he pulling the old Scotty from Star Trek trick of saying it'll take eight hours to repair the warp core, so he'll look like?" <laughs> a miracle worker when he gets the ship operational in three. Um, I don't know if this is about DJ Wagner specifically or if it's just about recruiting. Cause we have, we have several questions about, you know, Kenny Payne, you know, we were promised all these recruits. Are you guys getting worried? I do think, I mean, I, I think DJ Wagner is going to Kentucky. I do. Um, is there time for Kenny Payne to like, Pull out a pull off a hail mary and, and change this at the last second. Maybe I, I'm not going to say it's like 100 percent certain, but UK people, including John Calipari, think it's 100 percent certain, which they're rarely wrong about something like that. So like, I'm not totally off, but I, I do kind of feel like that ship has has sailed a little bit. I think global fans, a lot of them, have, and the staff have turned their attention to AJ Johnson, who 
five-star point guard. I think very excited. He also he's got a huge social media following, which is no small deal in, in this day and age. He's he, he took a visit to Texas a couple weeks ago. Once again, our fucking rivals from Austin. Um, he he visited LSU last week, and he's visiting NC State this weekend. But he is still planning on coming to Louisville Live next month, October twenty first. So if, if you get him to Louisville Live, I think you have a live shot to get him. And he he could be that focal point, that centerpiece of Kenny Payne's first class that really just brings everything together because. I think Caleb Glenn and Curtis Williams are are very good players. I think some of the other guys that we're in on, these other four stars, could be very good college players. But they're not the type of guy that we were expecting to land when we hired Kenny Payne. A.J. Johnson is. D.J. Wagner certainly is. And I think you need you need one of those guys to kind of just, just calm the fan base down a little bit, let them know that it's going to be okay, let them know that this is what we're going to be able to do moving forward, and solidify this class as, like, top ten good. Yeah, I don't want the listeners to take this the wrong way. Like, obviously, I'm not saying I I don't want DJ Wagner. Of course I do. Like, he's a, you know, probably would be one of the best or if not the best recruit that, that we've gotten here. Obviously, we have, like, the legacy thing as well, and I think that would be a big deal, um, you know, from that standpoint to, to land him here at UofL. But it, it does almost seem like if <laughs> – like a lot of the fan base is putting all their eggs in this DJ Wagner basket. And it, it does scare me a little bit. Like if he were to get on campus, kind of the expectations that were, would be put on this kid to perform. Um, I'm not saying by any means, it's not by his doing, like, I'm not saying that he would be like a sideshow by any, you know, by any fact, but um, I don't know. Sometimes it's to me, like I, I always go back to the 2000, you know, you know, the early 2010s, the, the Gorgie, Peyton Siva class, or excuse me, the Gorgie, who else? Like, there was a couple other guys that maybe, like, went a like little Russ. bit. Yeah, Russ, like, obviously. Um, and I'm not saying it's going to be like that. Like, we don't need to get, like, you know, two, three-star guys. But, you know, hey, sometimes it works out if you don't land, like, the, the big, big fish. Um, and obviously, I mean, AJ Johnson as a backup option would be tremendous. Like he looks like he'd be unbelievable. So obviously I want DJ Wagner. Um, but if we, you know, if we didn't get him and we, we landed somebody else solid, it might not be the worst thing in the world. I mean, there were people, you know, Wagner went to Spain playing with that USA under 19 world cup team. And there were people who were saying like, he was just flat out bad. He just did not look good. I think DJ Wagner is going to be a, a fantastic college player, but I also don't think that he's like the fan base. I think has built him up a little bit that he's this one and done like Zion type talent. And I'm not sure that he's that. What I'm saying is if you get AJ Johnson and you don't get DJ Wagner, we can all do the fan thing and talk ourselves into Johnson being the better player and maybe the better fit. And it's not going to be like totally outrageous. You know, what are you doing? Like We can do that. But if you get, if you don't get him, I think then, you put yourself in a position where this team, this upcoming season, needs to overachieve a little bit for the fan base to feel confident in, in KP moving forward. Uh, you got to have one of those two things: you got to be killing it recruiting, or you got to be overachieving on the court. Um, if you're not doing either, then I think people are going to get a little bit worried. Of course, and a lot of it depends on what the IRP is going to do whenever they make their decision in 2065. I mean, this is yeah, like I don't know, like we thought. This is getting ridiculous. Like, I mean, Jesus, make a decision. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's been you can talk six about fucking years. This oh my is, god! I literally, I mean, uh, this is outrageous. This is like a, it's a crime against humanity. This is ridiculous. But whatever. Um, 
let's see. Chapa says, is there a college football stadium you definitely want to visit? I'll let you go first. Yeah, I mean, I would love to go to an LSU night game. Um, I would love to go to the Swamp. Um, I, Auburn, like, I'm naming all these SEC schools. Like, I don't know. I mean, as much as I, you know, like to dog on the SEC – uh, from like a football atmosphere standpoint, I mean their their games, a lot of them are are second to none. I I know you've been here a, a bunch of times because your wife's a diehard Michigan fan. I I still really want to go to the Big House. It always just seems cool. I've been to Ohio State. I've been to Notre Dame. I've been to Clemson. Those are all awesome. Um, I'm with you. Like LSU night game seems outrageous. I'd, I'd love to go to the other Death Valley and see just how loud it gets for a big-time night game there. The, those two, two would probably be at the top of my list, like the big house and then uh, Tiger Stadium. So the the big house, is it's definitely cool from, like, a visual standpoint. Like, I mean, obviously it's big. Um, big house. But anyways. Um, <laughs> Not like, just a clever name. Yeah, it's big. But, like, we tailgate, like, on a golf course, which is awesome, like, right next to the stadium. Um, but, like, when you're in the stadium, like, yeah, the visual's cool, but – the way the stadium's built, like it doesn't keep a lot of sound in. And to be honest, it, it's it's really not that loud. Like the the seating goes like instead of like you know kind of like straight up, it like kind of jets out to the side, so it doesn't keep a lot of the sound in. So I'm not saying it's a bad atmosphere. I've been to some I've been to some bad games like Illinois and you know stuff like that. But I've also been to like Notre Dame games there where it gets real rowdy. So, um, yeah, definitely put on your list place to visit. It's, it's, it's really cool, but don't expect it to be like the loudest atmosphere in college football. Michigan fans suck. Dan Sennard said it right here on the podcast. Take it up on the message boards. Sorry, Kim. Cardinal Stadium, better atmosphere than the big house. Dan Sennard, quote, official quote. There it is. Um, Let's see. Corey says, now that Trevor isn't here, blink twice if you need a new radio co-host. No, I love Trevor. Um, let's see. Elliot Lane says, House of Dragons or Rings of Power? You're asking the wrong podcast this question. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, I, like, am, and whatever. If there's uh, Game of Thrones fans out there, I apologize. But, like, I tried to watch it. I got through three seasons. And, like, that's just not – like, I don't do those kind of shows. I don't do, like, the Lord of the Rings. I don't do House of Dragons or, you know, whatever whatever these shows are called. Like, that's just not my cup of tea. And the, the, the fanatics were so into it while it was going on. Like, when, when the last season happened, I swear to God, I, like, took pleasure in the fact that it was awful. I was like, I told you this was going to suck. It was awful. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I don't know. It, it seems like the diehards maybe checked out a little bit, but now they're like full board jumping back in with this new show. And I know one thing I'm not going to do it. I, I mean, I guess I respect the game of Thrones diehards who have gotten back into house of the dragon. Like I, I was very into game of Thrones. I felt very betrayed by the last season and a half. It was so bad. The writing just got so lazy. And uh, look, I, maybe I'm, I'm too much of a, 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 a spiteful person i don't forgive that easily like i'm gonna carry a grudge with me till i die when if you wrong me that badly like if you cheat on me like uh, yeah I, i'm i'm getting rid of you i, I might i'll forgive you i'm never i'm never forgetting like like I'm, I'm, I'm going to hate you inside forever i will hate game of thrones inside forever benny off and weiss ruined my life 
uh, with those last two seasons. And I'm not going to watch House of the Dragon. Now, if it's if four years from now they've had four seasons and everybody's like, it's the greatest show in the history of television, I'll watch it then. But I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not just giving my heart back to the series like, from the beginning. It's not happening. And then I've never been a Lord of the Rings guy. Uh, so I, I haven't watched the other show. But if, if you are, more power to you. I've heard people really like it, great things, but it's just, it's, it's not for me. Is it me or like shows like gone downhill the past like two years? Like I feel like I, it's hard to find like a good show nowadays. I'm watching Only Murders in the Building. I really like it. Selena what Gomez. Is it Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. It's uh, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. It's it's good. It's it's very easy to follow. Very quick. I enjoy it. Is this like a playoff, like Father of the Bride? No, it's like they're they're podcast enthusiasts who start their own murder mystery podcast when people start dying in their the building they live in in New York. It's it's entertaining. I like it. All right, all right. Connor Shea says worst flavor dum dum. <sighs> Worst um, flavored dumb, the root beer by far. I don't mind the root beer. I'm going banana split. I don't like the. I don't like banana candy. It's it, it's no, not for me. That's the worst one. I don't like butterscotch either. Oh yeah, just, I, all three. I think we named the three worst right there. I I don't do any of those. The Bird Brothers podcast asks if you had to pick a former Louisville basketball player to babysit your kids it be and also to keep it fun you can't pick gorgie Zhang because that's too obvious that's literally um, i was like well this is easy um, yeah who would you go with oh man um gosh i mean take your pick like there's so many candidates um i feel like i need to pick someone like out of the blue i'd probably go otis george otis <laughs> i feel like otis would be fun um yeah, otis. big otis george fan i'd go otis uh, I'm going with my guy, Ron McMahon. He's very oh, trustworthy. Yeah. Very nice kid. By the way, just got married a couple weekends ago. He's on his honeymoon hey, right now. That's awesome. Congrats to Ryan and, and Rose, both a uh, great young couple. Uh, we, we love Ryan. At that Jack Harlow kickball thing, I talked to Ryan for a long time, and he was kind of breaking down the wedding and everything that he was. Also, like having Donovan Mitchell on your bachelor party, has its benefits. He's like telling me about like, like how Donovan was able to hook up a bunch of stuff. I'm like, yeah, that scholarship really worked out for you. That was a, a beneficial friendship to have. Uh, but very cool to see. Like Donovan was in his wedding. That was awesome. But I, I would trust Ryan McMahon with my kids. I'll say that. Speaking of which, are we Cavs fans now? Like, are, are you going to come visit Columbus? We're going to go to a couple Cavs games, check out Donnie. Donnie B-Ball up in Cleveland. Um, I'd love to. Yeah, we need to make yeah, that happen. No, I, I think – I mean, they got a pretty good team. Like, I think they should contend in the East a little bit. So, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I kind of I follow players in the NBA more than teams. Like, I kind of bounce teams around. Um, so, I'm excited to get my calves on. Have you seen? We I don't think we've even talked about this. Mary and I, like, when the NHL schedules came out, we were like, let's find a game in Columbus. Oh, we'll I go know. up when they, when they play the Avalanche. We'll go up there. We'll, we'll go to the game. Like, we'll have a night out. We'll stay with Danny and Kim for a weekend. And we looked it up. The Jackets and the Avalanche play twice this year in Finland. I know that that that's such a bummer because like my brother likes to come in for those games too. Um, it sucks. I know. Like obviously, Lanch coming off Stanley Cup and the Jackets had like biggest off season signing with Johnny Hockey. So 
Um, I'm looking, I'm looking for it. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like I'm so into hockey. It's unbelievable. I don't know <laughs> what it is. Like I am like salivating for the season to get here. They just started training camp and stuff. So, um, I am, I can't believe I've become this guy. Like if you would ask me as 10 years ago, I would have laughed in your face, but I am, I am all in on hockey. Eric says, how big of a jack off do you have to be to make a bring Brom home parody account online? Yeah, bring Rom home guy is back. He is uh, he, he's spamming every tweet everywhere. I, I muted him pretty quickly just because I, I can't see it on every post. I'm sorry, uh, but he is he's diligent. We'll say that. I, I've never seen anybody so committed to one thing as that guy is. It's it's, it's almost impressive. The the Pedro quote, uh, Pedro Martinez back in 2002 is like, sometimes you just have to tip your cap and call them my daddy. Like that's literally what this guy is. He just. <laughs> No matter what the post is, like he's blowing it up. He's gonna be there. Like this guy is everyone's daddy in the Louisville fan base. So, um, yeah, I, I, persistence is you know key for this guy, obviously. But I, I, I am a w- little worried about his lifestyle. I love that because people. There are a lot of people who think that the guy who's behind this is my my producer on the radio show, Trevor. Trevor, <laughs> I love him. <laughs> Trevor is the he, he's the laziest person I've ever met in my entire life. He does not have like the energy to put uh, he, he wouldn't put that much energy into anything, let alone a Bring Brom home account. Trevor is a Jeff Brom enthusiast. He does want Jeff to come coach the team, but he's not going to be tweeting. This guy tweets like forty five times in, in a minute. It's I've never seen a, a higher rate of tweets. It's unbelievable. Like Trevor is not. If he was that guy, I'd be shocked. I don't I don't know who the guy is, but he's back at it. He's out there. He's doing this thing. Um, Ryan Keeling says, how long could you take Satterfield going six and six every year? If he just won every other game, regardless of the week to week opponent, it would include Kentucky and Clemson this year. I can't, I can't take six and six right now. I, yeah. I, I I'm, I've got like a, this year left in me and then I, I've got to be done. I can't, I can't handle the win loss, win loss, win loss thing anymore. So that's my limit is this year. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm the same way. Like, obviously some of those wins would be, be nice, but the the record that that would do it for me. I I can't do six and six anymore. Adam Goff says top five play by play people. Um, yeah, I'll go. Uh, Sean McDonough. I'll Love go, him. Um, yeah, like football theme here and baseball, like Joe Buck. Um, I, you know, Joe Buck like screams big game. I, to be honest, I hate him, but I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not the biggest fan. I like him better in baseball, and I'm like kind of disappointed that he's not going to be doing the World Series. Um, I think that kind of sucks. But uh, Al Michaels, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, there's probably more I'm forgetting, but um, those are like three off the top of my head. I'm with you on McDonough for sure. I like Dan Schulman a lot. Even though he's kind of gotten a little curmudgeony in his old yeah. age, um, I love Jason Benetti. He made the move from ESPN to Fox this year. I think he's awesome. Used to call out Dan Dockich. I love him for that. Those would probably be my top three. Oh, we, we're um, we're missing Sean Moth. Little baseball, obviously. Sean like, Moth. Sean Moth would absolutely. And like that's not even like a joke. Like oh, I love 100%. Sean. Percent. Yeah. Like I swear on this. Like I would love for him to like like get a call up to like you know the big leagues or something like that like i think he's that good where for like, sure he, he could do it and wouldn't miss a beat like i think it's one of the more underrated aspects of little sports that he gets to call baseball games on the radio i think he's phenomenal and that's a hard thing to do oh it's it's, it's 
I can't even imagine. But I, I obviously I love Sean personally, but I think also like I love listening to him call games. Like I think he's just he's that good. Like I choose to listen to baseball on the radio sometimes, even when U of I was on TV, just because I love listening to Sean. Um, yeah. yeah, he would he'd be my top five too. I think. We I forgot not... Tom. Bre- we forgot Tom Brenneman. Okay. Um... <laughs> That's obviously a joke, people. A joke. This podcast is about to get canceled. Yeah, I know. Um, I, Tom used to – Tom's hating on the Reds when they were really bad was always I mean, enjoyable we, back in the day. You, got, you kind of miss it. The comment was egregious and, like, it deserves, like, you know, he doesn't deserve to be on the air. But when he when he was announcing for the Reds, like, the years <laughs> where they were awful – and he would just absolutely no holds barred, like light up everyone and like on the field. Like, I mean, we would text each other and be like, Jesus, Tom <laughs> hates his job. Like, so, like, it, like pools, like would get a three, one fastball down the middle. And as soon as the ball hit the bat, he's like, and it's four, one ball game. And <laughs> like, literally it just stays silent for like a good two minutes. <laughs> Folks, at some point you got to ask yourself, is Todd Coffey ever going to get anyone out again? <laughs> Got to start wondering, is Kelly Stinnett going to make contact the rest of the season? <laughs> I think my favorite all time, I think it was Ryan Howard for the Phillies. Where he's, up, he's like, he's like 3-0 and from Leak to Howard here. And if you know anything about recent Phillies games against the Reds, you know that you can't give them anything to hit here. And there's a long drive to right field, and it's 4-1. to Unbelievable, <laughs> folks. Yeah. Yeah, those were... Those were the days. I do miss that. All right, we've. I, I apologize to all the questions we haven't gotten to. I didn't realize we've been talking for this long. Uh, before we get to our South Florida game predictions, Dan, what's the uh, what's the, your Dan of the dumps for this week? All right, so um, my little guy Cam just turned eight, um, and like me and my wife were on the same. Like, I, I want to say we're on the same page about this because I ultimately agreed to it, but I didn't want it. Like. We had two choices for the birthday. I said, hey, Cam, you can invite, you know, 10 to 12 people and and go to like a, you know, like a rock climbing place or like, you know, kind of a they're called like urban air ninja city, like these different indoor places and do your birthday. Um, And my wife was like, or you can invite, you know, whoever you want and we'll like just do it at like some public park. Of course, he's like, yeah, I, not only do I want to, like, do it at a public park, I want to invite my entire class in, like, half the neighborhood. So we had 37 <laughs> kids oh at this God. birthday party, which, like, is just uh, – we're weird parents just for doing that. I feel like people are already staring at us weird because we had that many kids there. So Cam wanted – not only to have it at the park, he wanted to have golf holes set up, like, to where we literally, like, golf into holes, um, like, hit balls into – you know golf holes there i'm like cam it was a public park we can't do it so we made these little like obviously we didn't dig any holes there but we made these little golf holes and my wife brought like four sets of clubs now i guess i didn't factor in that like i mean cam is eight and he does love golf but like most kids like don't really play golf or haven't played golf at age eight so we had like 35 kids grabbing clubs (laughs) and like this little small patch of grass like trying to like swing like they're not even swinging like a golf club they're swinging like a baseball bat like there was like (laughs) parents like all the parents that were just there at the birthday are like like treading lightly like coming over like oh move out of the way like move out of the way like you just see like all these kids like i'm like oh my god we got a lawsuit coming up on our hands like 
I was like the asshole after like two minutes. I had like come around and like collect all the golf clubs. It, it was the most chaotic scene of all time. And I told my wife, I was like, God, we are like so those parents now. Like when they have like the PTA meetings, like all the parents are like, did you go to that Sonar kids? <laughs> like are the parents just out of their minds, like handing these kids golf clubs, like and they were swinging them. Like it was, uh, I mean, the per- the birthday went off fine, but the the little five minute stretch where kids were almost concussing each other was a flat out disaster. It's an Aaron judge. What was Kim thinking? You know what? She's a mother. She wants, she wants her kid to, you know, not spoil him, but obviously wants him to be happy. But I think we, uh, we bit off more than we can chew there. All right. Uh, cards at, or not at a hosting South Florida, Saturday noon, regional sports networks, uh, cards are 14 and a half point favorites, which I think surprises a lot of people considering USF damn near beat Florida last week. Uh, Bulls are one and two, got blown out by BYU, beat Howard, uh, and then lost uh, last week by field goal to Florida. Dan, what, what's your prediction here? How confident are you feeling that this Louisville team is going to get to two and two? I'm not confident. I, I, I'll say that. I think we win, but I am scared. Like, you know. I, I just don't think this team is good enough to just be like, oh, this is a win. Like, we could definitely lose. But I'm going to go 35-21 cards. Um, but we pull away late, and it's closer during the game. I feel like this like this program now at this point, I, I feel like is out to just produce maximum anger from the fan base. And you'd think that maximum anger would be losing this game, but no, 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 no. Maximum anger is like just lighting these guys up because – if Malik Cunningham has a big-time game, which I'm predicting he does, I'm predicting this is a big Malik game, we win handily, we're up big, we kind of coast to, I'm going to say, 42-20 to 20 victory. Yeah, I may take that up. 45-20 to 20 victory. And the fan base on Monday, it's not going to be celebrating. It's not going to be like, I'm back in. It's going to be like, oh, of course they can beat down South Florida. Let's see them do it against anybody. Like, like that's... Th- this Satterfield era lives to just piss off the fans in, in certain ways. And a win, a comfortable win where Malik looks good and the offense looks good is the perfect way to do that because nobody's going to buy back in. People may have a little bit more hope for the BC and Virginia games, but everybody at this point is just going to be waiting to be let down again because that's where we are mentally. We've been mind-fucked for the last three years, and it's still going on, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be a good game for L, and nobody's going to really celebrate it because we're all still pissed off about the uh, the, the, the first three weeks. That's... That's my prediction. I, I hope you're right, even though, like you said, it probably won't be satisfying, but it, it, we need to get some momentum going here. All right. A reminder again, always subscribe to the podcast, wherever you can find podcasts. It's the best way to learn when new episodes are out. Uh, also, give us a, a rating if you can. We appreciate that. And leave us a review if you can. We've got two new reviews this week. Uh, we always read them on air to try to, to push you into to leaving us reviews. Blocky says, thanks for vibing and keeping it tight. If you need anything, hit me on my mobile. Nice uh, old school, like AIM away message uh, review. I enjoy that. George says, I love the chemistry. I'm answering the call for reviews here. I'm a Marylander who lived in Louisville in 2016, became a Cards fan and the biggest fan of Lamar. My hometown Ravens drafting Lamar has been one of my greatest thrills as a sports fan. The best compliment I can give is that you are both entertaining and people that anyone would be lucky to have as a friend. Well, that's very nice. Thank you, George. that That was a nice comment. 
All right. So hopefully this will work. I mean, if we if we spend two hours doing this again for nothing, I'm going to be very upset. Hopefully this works and you're listening to it and the audio quality is at least a little bit better than it has been in the past. If not, don't blame us. Blame Riverside. We will see you guys uh, at some point next week, hopefully reacting to a win and getting you ready for uh, the, the Cardinal weekend ahead. Go Cards. Beat USF. Come on, roller coaster, Scott. Let's do this, baby. Go Cards.